morning, First Baptist. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a new condition that people are being diagnosed with that you may or may not have heard of. Um, Dr. Susan Coven practices internal medicine at Massachusetts General Hospital. And she noted this new physical condition that people are being diagnosed with. Uh, she saw it back in 2013. And this is how she describes it. She says, in the past few years, I've observed an epidemic of sorts. Patient after patient suffering from the same condition. The symptoms of this condition include fatigue, irritability, insomnia, anxiety, headaches, heartburn, bowel disturbances, back pain, and weight gain. There are no blood tests or x-rays. Uh, diagnostic of this condition and yet it's easy to recognize she says the condition is excessive busyness excessive busyness as it turns out takes a great toll on the body and in addition to this excessive busyness that we have in our society there's another condition that's going on you could call it excessive restlessness as a matter of fact one journalist noted this sense of restlessness, especially among young people, although uh, I think it extends well on up. <clears throat> uh, she said that young Americans are restless and on the move. 59% of Americans aged 18 to 35 currently live somewhere besides their hometown. Almost 80% have moved once or more, not counting a college move. 41% of millennials who have moved say their stay is temporary and 26% of them say their primary motive is a fresh start or a change in lifestyle, not marriage, a job, or a home. She goes on to talk about her own experience. She says that comfort means you've played it safe, and putting down roots means you've missed the adventure of finding yourself. This is an adventure that can only play out by ping-ponging from city to backpacking trip and back again. She goes on to say that each new move and new beginning meant new people, new jobs, new situations, which had to be started from scratch each time. It was supposed to feel like freedom. Instead, all the newness, all the time, felt eerily like being lost. Newness was supposed to make life exciting and not empty. Because I was perpetually starting over, I lacked any ties to people to share new discoveries with. Now, maybe some of you all can relate to this. There is an excitement of moving. Of, and I can speak from experience. New town, new faces, new places to enjoy. But then oftentimes it doesn't deliver what you think that it's going to deliver. And the culture wants to suck you into a way of thinking that if you just get that next thing, then you'll have the answer could be the next boyfriend, could be the next girlfriend, could be the newest technology. Fill in the blank. All of these things are, are being put in front of our faces as if to say that all of the mysteries of, of, of contentment and happiness will be fulfilled if you can just find that one next thing. You've been down that road. And what you really want is rest. And then you can throw in what you call the social media factor. 
Um, it's often the place where we seek approval from our peers. And when we don't get it, we feel particularly bad. Um, there's a psychologist, a guy named Max Bloomberg, and he stated this about social media. He said, if you have low self-esteem and you don't do well on social media, you're going to feel particularly bad. But who can honestly say that they're so secure in this world that when they do something on social media and it isn't liked at all, it doesn't eat you just a little bit inside? Is there a way that we can be free from all of these different competitions, all of these things competing, all these things telling us just that next thing, then you'll be happy, then you'll be content. And honestly, what we're talking about is how can we find rest? How can we find rest? The passage I want to look at today comes from Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll be going through uh, the first 13 verses of, of Hebrews chapter 4, and I want to start out with the first six, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. If you would, please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. You may be seated. We're continuing this series in the book of Hebrews, where you keep seeing the theme of belief and faith coming up again and again and again. This phrase, don't stop believing, still pops into my head as I go through the book of Hebrews. And this morning I want to approach our topic like this. First, we're going to look at this move from restlessness to rest, the restlessness that you saw in the previous chapter, chapter 3, now moving into this possibility of rest that we see in Hebrews chapter 4. And then what kind of rest is this? There's been a lot of ink spilled over what kind of rest is being spoken of here. Is it an immediate rest? Is it a delayed rest? And then we'll see this, this last two, the last two verses in this section there's some really strong words spoken about the power of God's word. We'll talk about why it's there, and then finally, how do we find rest? How do we find rest? Just talk about that very practically. So then, we get into this very first move of this chapter, and we see that very first word, therefore. And anytime you see therefore, you've got to look backwards and ask, okay, what's he building on from the previous chapter? And we see the transition from the previous. Last week we saw this negative example of these wandering Israelites because of disbelief and disobedience. They were unable to enter into the promised land. And now we're moving into this new topic of rest. So verse 2 then goes on to talk about this good news that came to us. What is this good news? 
Well, for the Israelites, it was the good news that God was going to bring them rest. Rest in the promised land. Modern-day Israel was supposed to enter into this land of Canaan. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, it was going to, to be a place where they would get to enjoy God's abundance. But they didn't get in there. That good news of rest, it came to that community. It was available to them. But would they receive it? The difference between the Israelites and this group of Hebrews was how they were going to receive this good news. It really comes down to that question. Will they trust God? Or will they succumb to the same distrust and disobedience that the Israelites did? That was the question coming to this modern Hebrew audience. Because God's rest requires faith. And this is a warning for us. And I'll say it's a warning for people who, who maybe come to church all the time. Who are working, working, working. But the question is, are you trusting, trusting, trusting? Are you trusting in what Jesus has done for you? That's the requirement of this Rest, And there's a reason later on in Hebrews chapter 11 it's going to say that you cannot please God without faith. And do you know that we exercise faith all the time? Like, you're literally exercising faith even right now sitting in those seats. None of you are wearing hard hats. You believe that ceiling, those lights are going to stay up there. You got into that car this morning believing it was going to get you here. You've never stepped onto an airplane without some measure of faith that it was going to get you to the destination. Uh, we exercise faith all the time. And it's this faith in Christ that he, in fact, paid for our sins through his work. That he paid our debt in full. This is how we enter into God's rest. It's that a first initial exercise of faith where we put our faith in Jesus Christ. So that's this faith that we're talking about. That's the necessary means by which we enter into God's rest is through faith. That was the failure of the Israelites to trust God. And there was some concern among, rather there's a concern of the writer of Hebrews that he was writing to a group that maybe were in the church, maybe showing up, but had not yet truly exercised faith in Jesus Christ. Well, then what kind of faith is this? Or, I'm sorry, what kind of rest is this that we're talking about? There's been a lot of ink that has been spilled on, on this topic. Is this speaking of a rest that you experience as soon as you become a believer in Jesus Christ? Or is this a rest that you don't experience until you die and you're in the presence of God himself? Or is this a rest that you don't experience until your body is resurrected? way in the future, or whenever that may be, when Christ returns and raises the dead up to life. What kind of rest are we talking about here? Because there's four statements that I've made about the different aspects and observations we can make about this rest that come into play. And we see it in this passage. The first one is it's a rest that's fearfully searched for. It is a rest that is to be fearfully searched for. As a matter of fact, if you look back at verse 1, what do you see? It says, let us fear. 
And this is more than just missing a good party that we're talking about. This is speaking about negative consequences of a spiritual condition. And this is where churches can really go too far in portraying God in, in one of two ways. Either they can portray God as this angry, vengeful God who is just looking for an excuse to zap us. You've got that view of God, but you can go too far in saying, no, God's not any of that. He's all grace, and he's all love. And you get a picture of love being like this big pink ball that just kind of rolls all over everybody. And yes, he is grace and love. And sometimes over here you'll hear things like, I know what the word of God says, but. You see, God is both these things. He is, he is loving and he is gracious. He's also holy and just. That is a full picture of who God is. There is accountability. There's real eternal consequences for neglecting to respond to God's word in faith. So this is a rest to be fearfully searched for. As a matter of fact, one of our greatest fears should be unbelief. And it's not just a fear that's or not just a rest to be fearfully searched for. It's also a rest that is offered today. Arrest offered today. And look at verses 6 and 7. It says, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it. <clears throat> and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he appoints a certain day today. Saying through David so long afterward. In the words already quoted, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is again looking to Psalm 95. He did this in the previous chapter. This is David a psalm that David has been attributed to have written to challenge the people of his time. This was about 400 years after the time those Israelites fell to go into the promised land. David comes on the scene. He says, today don't harden your hearts towards God. Don't fail to enter into his rest. Now, they had occupied the land at this time. And then after this time of David, about a thousand years later, this author of Hebrews is again saying the same thing to his audience. Today, it's available to you, this rest. You've got the opportunity to enter it. Don't miss it. And today, we're saying it again to this audience 2,000 years later. Don't miss it. If you've not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ or if you are unsure, uh, I'm going to invite you at the end of the service today I always come down and, and, and talk to whoever wants to or needs to talk. Please come talk to me. I am happy to share with you how it is you can enter into God's rest. And you can have an assurance of that. Don't delay. This is an offer being made to you today, right now. Please come talk to me. So it's offered today, but then it also performs this unique function not only is it offered to you, but look at verses 8 to 10. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered into God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So there's this third part of God's rest is that it ends one's work. It ends one's work. Let's talk about these verses for just a moment. So there in verse 8, referencing this conquest of the promised land. Remember when we went through the book of Judges 
that long, bloody series on the book of Judges, that was about the conquest of the promised land. So uh, those were the conquests, and, and the people finally went in. Joshua led them initially. But then even beyond the conquest of that land, there's another day of rest that's still to come. This is what verse 9 is referring to. Uh, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That is this kingdom that is to come. Well, what's that like? Verse 10. For whoever has entered into God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So this is looking into the future when our earthly work is done and I can enjoy this new kingdom that is coming to earth. This is when believers will finally enjoy their full inheritance of what's coming to them. It's a future time. We'll stop, at that time, we'll have stopped warning against our own flesh. If you're weary of screwing up all the time, well, this is when the weariness will be over. It's when we enter into this future promise of God's rest. It's, it's yet to come. Our struggling will have ceased. Now, you may be thinking, okay, Chad, great. I'll, I'll get to die and enter this rest. But, but I'm a believer, all right? So, Chad, I'm a believer. I, I, when does this rest come to me? Is it something that's available now that I received by faith, or is it something that I have to wait on until I die? Well, I think the answer to all those questions is, is yes. Uh, it leads us to this fourth aspect of God's rest. It's rest which is already and not yet. It's already and it's not yet. We've already hit this theme talking about, well, well when, when were things subjected to Christ and put under his feet? Well, Hebrews says that we, it has been subjected to Christ, but we don't see it yet. And we get the same idea here. We get this, this answer that it, it, we do have rest already, and yet we don't have rest yet. I like the way one commentator, uh, one commentator states this. He says, true believers live out faith, resting in God until the final rest is reached. In other words, true believers have already entered into God's rest through belief, but they will experience the completion of that rest only as they endure to the end. So there is a rest that's available. Uh, and, and right now we've got to live in this tension. Remember, we're between the two comings of Christ. And I get to enjoy many of the aspects of God's kingdom now, but some are not fully here yet. There's something that A.W. Tozer wrote about. Uh, he wrote a book called The Pursuit of God. And I think he does a great job of, of explaining this tension we live in. He says this, What I am anxious to see in Christian believers is a beautiful paradox. I want to see in them the joy of finding God while at the same time they are blessedly pursuing Him. I want to see in them the great joy of having God, yet always wanting Him. You know, I've, I've thought about this before. How do you visualize this? Imagine you had a really rich, eccentric relative that passed away and left you their mansion. And it's luxurious. And they gave you all the servants that go along with it. And you go and you enter into that mansion. You're enjoying it. 
But then you find out from one of the servants, they come to you and say, did you know that this house is absolutely packed with secret passageways that you don't know about? And they lead to bigger and cooler rooms that you haven't even seen yet. That's what this rest is like. Yeah, we do enter into God's rest now, but we get to continue enjoying God in new ways as we discover more and more different things about him. So this rest, it's already and it's, it's not yet. And there's a need for belief and obedience that we can't overlook. There's some very strong statements made in uh, verses 12 and 13. Uh, we see that God's word judges powerfully. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So what is this telling us? One is that God's word is living. It's not dead. It's still relevant. It's still teaching us. It's active. It's carrying out his intentions. It gives us a clear picture of past, present, and future. And it penetrates deeply into the inner motivations of our hearts. The text says it laid us bare. There's no hiding. Most of us like to hide something about ourselves. As a matter of fact, I came across this uh, portrait of Joseph Stalin. Joseph Stalin had a, a childhood condition that made his left arm stiff and it misshaped his, his hand. And he was only about five foot four. So when he had this portrait made, he wanted it to look very tall. He wanted to have his hands in front of his stomach so his hands looked more powerful. And all this was to hide a lot of the truths about him. As a matter of fact, the pseudonym, the name Stalin, means man of steel. That's what he wanted to portray himself as. How many of us are trying to hide something? But you know what? When we take the Word of God and we put it in front of us, it's like a mirror. And it shows us who we really are. Spiritual growth doesn't come by just adjusting the angle of view. God's, words, God's word shows our true spiritual condition. We can't hide from God, and his word judges powerfully. So then the question is, okay, well, how do we find rest? How do we find rest? And I have to begin this last part by saying it starts by receiving God's free gift of salvation. That's where it starts. That's where we start to get rest. Beyond that, there exists this rest that can elude believers as well. So first of all, start by diagnosing your fatigues. Diagnose your fatigues. What is it that you find is making you tired? Now, some of you are looking at me, maybe some young mothers who have three or four kids under the age of five, and you're like, well, hey, dummy, I know why I'm exhausted. Okay, I get that. There, there's, there's real things out there that, that are good things and that make us tired. But then maybe there's something else going on. Are you overcommitted? And it's important to try and sniff that out. Uh, whether or not you're simply striving for something that God does not intend for you to have right now. I remember back in seminary, we had a professor that told us, it's a sin for you to be making C's if you are a B student. He was saying, you know what? You're not working hard enough. He also said it's a sin for you to be making A's if you're a B student. Well, what do you mean by that? 
You're sacrificing something that God did not intend for you to try to achieve something that he did not intend. I was feeling very guilty as a seminary student when he said that. What is your taskmaster? Are you pushing yourself for something that's not from God? Sacrificing something he doesn't intend. Are you being driven by a perceived success of your children? Is your social calendar just too busy? So diagnose your fatigue. Stop and ask why. Secondly, trust God's promises. Trust God's promises. There's this other kind of fatigue that can set in, not necessarily physical or emotional, but a sort of spiritual dysfunctionality that maybe you're experiencing. The Israelites didn't trust God's promises. Fatigue came to them through this wandering as a result of disobedience and distrust. And I think it often comes from any, look, trying to find any kind of meaning or purpose in life outside of God's word is going to cause that same kind of fatigue, that same kind of wandering. And if you want to find ultimate fulfillment in something that can't bear the weight of eternity, it's going to bring fatigue. If you look for it in relationships, if you look for it in your performance, if you look for these things, you're not trusting in God's promises because he told us who we are. We are dearly loved and forgiven children of God. But yet we try to find meaning in so many other things. Uh, I love what Augustine said. He said, rest comes to realization only as wanderers find rest in God. True rest involving ceasing from work the way God did. True rest is found in relating to God through faith and obedience in his word. That brings us to number three, revere God and his word. Revere God and his word. Um, there's a book that was written called The Trivialization of God. And he, the, the author says this. He said, if you visit a church on a Sunday morning, and he said almost any will do, you'll find a congregation comfortably relating to a deity that fits nicely within their precise doctrines. He said, you won't find much awe and mystery. The only sweaty palms will be those of a preacher unsure whether or not the sermon will go over. The only shaking needs would be those of the soloist offering the um, song of the offertory prayer. And then he goes on and says this. Reverence and awe have often been replaced by the yawn of familiarity. The consuming fire has been domesticated into a candle flame, adding a bit of religious atmosphere perhaps, but no heat, no blinding light, no power for purification. When the true story gets told, it may well be, be revealed that the worst sin of the church at the end of the 20th century has been the trivialization of God. We prevent this by being here and worshiping God. We prevent this by engaging in the songs that we sing. We also prevent this by, by being in the Word of God. And by the way, if it's been a long time since you've been in God's Word, you're just not quite sure how to get into it, I'm going to suggest that you check out something called our Daily Bread. Uh, I started about uh, 35 years ago, I think it was, uh, Somebody introduced me to our daily bread as a very young person. This was the best way for me to get into the Word of God. It's a verse. It's a short devotion that you can read that goes along with it. You can find this. There's, an, there's a, our daily bread app now that you can use. There's a website. And if you want a hard copy, you can go to the website. And I believe we have them here. I believe we have them here that, that are available for you to pick up as well um, out in the lobby. So check that out if you're looking how to get into God's Word. But see, it's so important that we're revering God and His Word. It's available to us today 
like it's never been available before. So don't get casual with God. And putting this all together, enter God's rest through faith and obedience. Enter God's rest through faith and obedience. I want to close with this cartoon. It's Linus and Lucy. They're looking out the window. The rain's coming down. And Lucy says, boy, look at it rain. What if it floods the whole world? Then Linus responds and says, it'll never do that. In the ninth chapter of Genesis, God promised Noah that would never happen again. And the sign of the promise is the rainbow. Lucy said, you've taken a great load off my mind. And Linus said, sound theology has a way of doing that. (laughs) Trust God's promises. Find rest in him. Please pray with me. Lord, we're so thankful for the rest that you provide, something that we can both enjoy now and we can look forward to this perfect future rest. God, I pray that you would help us to diagnose any unnecessary busyness or fatigue that we have. Lord Jesus, we're thankful that you made the way possible through your death and your resurrection. We ask it all in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.